Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis, one of the Bible Interact teachers. Today I would like to talk about the seven days of Passover. Now you might think, wait a minute, Passover doesn't come until the spring. Why should we be even thinking about it now? I am going to focus on how God wants us to keep the seven-day festival of the Passover in our minds on a daily basis. The Passover is to remember something that happened in the past, the Exodus event when death passed over the children of Israel. The Passover is also prophetic of something that is future. We know that Jesus Christ was our Passover. We read that in Corinthians. But there is a very important element in Passover that we are to put into our daily lives. That's what I'm going to focus on today. Now Passover lasted for seven days and there are in fact a cluster of three mini festivals that occur within the seven-day period that we refer to Passover. The one that you remember the most, of course, is the Passover itself, the Passover um, it, it celebrated by the Seder, where the um, animal is sacrificed and there is a celebration meal. And today at the Seder, there is a, a Passover Haggadah that is read to remember that event in Egypt when death passed over the children of Israel. That is pointing, of course, to something future, which we'll look at in a minute. The death passed over the children of Israel in Egypt, but death also passes over those with the faith in God's Son, the Messiah. The Messiah came to make it possible for all people to belong to God, not just the children of Israel. We, the the non-Jews in Scripture are referred to as goyim, and we've translated that as Gentile. So Gentile simply means a non-Jew. There are Jews, there are Gentiles. And Christ now has made it possible for Gentiles, who are not Jews, to become part of God's family. So the concept of death passing over applies both to Israel and to those who are not children of Israel whose faith in Yeshua allows them to become part of God's family. The Passover Seder is celebrated once a year and uh, as I, I said it is in commemoration of this event. The children of Israel had been in bondage for 400 years in Egypt and then God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh let my children go. Pharaoh refused and so God brought 
seven plagues upon Egypt, and it was the last plague that was the worst one, that was the death of all the firstborn sons, both man and animal. Now that applied to the children of Israel as well, because it was all the firstborn in Egypt, both man and animal. And the children of Israel were in Egypt. So God instructed them to sacrifice a lamb, place the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, and then death would pass over those with the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. Now, this is prophetic of what was to come, and we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We read, Clean out the old leaven that may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened, for Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Now, it's putting together two of the festivals, so let's just focus on the one. Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Christ was the Passover lamb. Those with faith in him, death, as death passed over him, death will also pass over us who have faith in him. So the Passover was God making death pass over his children, both the children of Israel, and because Christ is our Passover, death passes over us when we believe in him, because death passed over him. He was resurrected out from the dead, and we will be resurrected out from the dead at some time in the future as well. Now, I said that there were three mini-festivals during this Passover period. And we need to take a look at the other two festivals. Both of them are going to relate to our daily lives, our walk with God in our daily lives. They become very, very important. I think you all know about the Passover and the Seder, but let's take the other two festivals and really work on those and see how they should apply to our lives today. The second was seven days of unleavened bread. You remember that the Passover period is a, is a seven-day period. Now, the P Passover feast itself occurs on an one evening during the seven days. But all seven days, the children of Israel were to eat no leaven. And that was to remember the Exodus account when Pharaoh allowed the children of Israel to go after his son was killed by that last plague, they did not have time to let their bread rise, so they took the bread that was unleavened. Then when they got into the wilderness, the 40 years of wilderness wandering, God gave them manna to eat, manna from heaven, and there would be dew on the ground at night, and in the morning that dew would have been bread. It was unleavened bread. So we have unleavened bread both at the time that they escaped from bondage in Egypt and also during their wilderness wandering in Egypt. So the unleavened bread is to remember again that Exodus account. But there is more to the unleavened bread, and it's the more that I really want to draw your attention to. Because we have just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, clean out the old leaven. You remember that um, the seven days is to have unleavened bread. Uh, and so get rid of all the leaven. 
because this for seven days you're going to have unleavened bread so you've got to get rid of all the leaven uh, and then it says that you may be a new lump now let's go back up and read it in its context because it starts your boasting is not good do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump leaven is symbolic of sin because when you sin a little bit it rises <laughs> it gets bigger and so in the uh, in in scripture and in the Jewish literature uh, um, leaven is recognized as a symbol for sin so do you not know that a little leaven a little sin leaves the whole lump or leavens the whole lump of dough so if you just do one little sin in your life you become a sinful person you know that applies for example James talks about uh, the tongue and how the tongue speaks from what's in your heart and what you speak really is an indication of your whole being so you can speak one nasty thing to a friend or to a co-worker or to your spouse and it corrupts your whole being and it corrupts your whole relationship so that sin is is like the rising of leaven it 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 destroys the whole thing it it makes the whole thing sinful and furthermore it it keeps getting worse you know you tell one little lie and then the next lie gets a little bigger and the next lie gets a little bigger so sin is something that is caused by the world and it 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 grows in us unless we do something now this seven days of unleavened bread is teaching us what to do what to do with that sin and it says clean out the old leaven so just clean out that sin clean out that sin from your life that you may be a new lump because when you clean out the old sin you become a new creation we learn in the new testament you, and, and it also tells us that we become more and more Christ-like. So the more we get rid of sin, the more Christ-like we are. We can't do it without help. You, can't, you simply cannot do it alone. You have to make Yeshua Lord in your life. Uh, you turn to him. You ask him for help. Uh, you're, you're in daily prayer with him. You worship him. You, you, you learn the scriptures, you, you learn how to walk in God's ways, and, and it's a process. It, it, it doesn't happen all at once. You, you grow in it. But the seven days of unleavened bread are for us to, to understand that in our daily walk, it doesn't just happen at the time of Passover, in our daily walk, we are to clean out the old leaven which is the sin in our lives so that we may become a new lump or a new creation that's and it's a, it's a daily walk now just um, as an aside here in Judaism today they honor the seven days of unleavened bread before that begins the women work very very hard and they clean out everything in their household that is is dirty they're not they're not cleaning out the leaven they're cleaning out all the dirt in their homes they they take out the dishes and they and they scrub inside the cabinets and put the dishes back crystal clean they they move the furniture they you know and they sweep and 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 wash behind the furniture where it usually doesn't get done they clean that house so it shines 
and that is symbolically cleaning out the old leaven and preparing for the seven days of unleavened bread of the Passover. That's, that's what it signifies. Now you remember I said that there were in fact three mini festivals during the seven days of Passover. The, uh, the Passover first starts the unleavened bread and during those seven days the, the Passover meal will occur which is, is celebrated today by the Seder. And then on the day after the weekly Sabbath is the, the day of first fruits. And that first fruits is one of the three little mini festivals that go on during the seven days of, of Passover. So we've got the seven days of unleavened bread. We've got the sacrifice of the Passover lamb and, and the meal that follows. And then we have the day of the giving of the first fruits. Now, the weekly Sabbath is a Saturday. So the giving of the first fruits would have occurred on a Sunday. And in ancient Israel, that was honored by bringing an unblemished animal to the temple to be sacrificed. And, and the priests would burn that animal and the sweet odor would float up to God. And, um, and, and this, this is what the priest would have been doing. The people would have brought the, the, the first fruits from the barley harvest. The barley harvest came at the time of Passover. The wheat harvest came at the time of uh, uh, Pentecost, which is Shavuot and Passover by the way the Hebrew is Pesach. So the barley, the first fruits of the barley would have been given by the people while the priests were sacrificing the unblemished animal. And then the people would bring the first fruits of their barley harvest to give to God. Now, why first fruits? First fruits represents the very best. Just like the firstborn is very special. In fact, though the two words in Hebrew are come from the same verbal root. So uh, the firstborn and first fruits have the same verbal root and 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 they 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 have similar meanings because the first is what you give to God because the first is the best so the first fruits then you're giving your absolute best you're giving the very first that comes from the barley harvest you're giving the very best to God because of course you want to give the best to him and that is the festival of the first fruits now how do we put that in our lives today that is is really important uh, and scripture will tell us in the New Testament that Jesus, Yeshua, was the first fruits out from the dead. Now stop and think about that for a minute. He was the fir first fruits out from the dead, and we are going to follow. We are going to follow as first fruits out from the dead. To be resurrected, Yeshua had to be unblemished. He had to be the very best. He had to be without sin. He had to be righteous, holy, and pure. And in fact, he was. So he was worthy of the gift of first fruits to God. He gave his life. That life was a gift of first fruits. He, and, and it says in the New Testament that he was the first fruits out from the dead and we will follow. 
we will follow as first fruits out from the dead. We can't follow until God does some things that are a little hard to see right now um, that will make us righteous and pure and holy so that we will be in a condition to come to him as first fruits. Um, the, um, by the way, I, I explained to people that the reason it's hard to see in Scripture is explained in 1 Corinthians, where it says that if Satan had ever known, he would not have crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. So God hides certain things about the future from us. Now, he reveals a lot of things, and I search diligently for those things. Um, I think my most important work about searching for the future is about the remnant, which I'll teach about in, in other sessions. But for now, I just want you to understand that Yeshua was the first fruits out from the dead because he was perfect, pure, and holy. And scripture says that we also who belong to God will become first fruits out from the dead also at some future time. Now, that's talking about future. We have Yeshua in the past who was resurrected out from the dead as first fruits gift to God. We have us as something in the future who will be resurrected out from the dead as a first fruit gift to God. But now, and this is where I want to turn, and this is where I want to focus. If we go to James chapter 1, verse 18, there's a very interesting passage here that I want you to mark and perhaps memorize. There's, you know, some of these things are easy to mem memorize because they're short. So it's James chapter 1, verse 18. In the exercise of his will, meaning God the Father, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that, all right, God has brought me into his household because of my faith in Christ. But there is a purpose. There is a way that I can glorify God. It's, it's not that the only reason he, he made me his, his part of his family was so that I could glorify God, but because I am part of his family, he, my, my goal is to glorify God. And it tells us right here, so that we might be the first fruits among his creatures. Now, we will be first fruits at some time in the future, but we can be first fruits right now. We can be first fruits now when we give ourselves to God as our very best. Because the first fruits were the best that you gave to God. Now there's another verse in Romans that I want to connect with this first fruits concept because I, I think the two are very related and I have put these two verses in, in Romans in, into my, my memory bank. They're that important to me. So I've, I've memorized the one about James, that we are a kind of first fruits. Uh, yes, first fruits out from the dead future, but a kind of first fruits now. When we walk with faith and love in our Lord Yeshua and activate the gift of the Holy Spirit in us. When we do that, we, we are walking in the ways of God. Now, let me show you here in Romans. This is so important, this passage in Romans, because it talks about how we can be a kind of first fruits and give the very best we have to God. It's in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, I'm going to go through this slowly because there's, there's, I'm going to explain certain parts in here, um, and, uh, and I, want you to, I want you to see it all. Paul is speaking to the Romans, and, and you can hear 
his heart. He wants so much to convey this message both to the Romans in the ancient times and to us today. God it just wants so much for us to hear this. I urge you, brethren, says Paul, by the mercies of God, now present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. All right, we've got to get a picture in our minds of the ancient sacrificial system of Israel. They brought the unblemished animal to God. It was burned as a sweet aroma to God. The reason they brought it was because they wanted to give the very best to God. And the first fruits of the time of the Passover, they brought the first fruits of the barley harvest. And, and they wanted to give the very best to God. So, so the, but the animal that they gave was killed. It was a dead animal. The priest would slit the throat, take the blood, drain the blood out. They would then roast the animal, the unblemished animal. And if it was a sin offering, they would take a portion for themselves. If it was a peace or shalomim offering, they would give a portion back to the person who had given the animal so that he could celebrate with his, with his family and neighbors. So it was a dead animal. And in the ancient Israel, the this, this sacrifice was not a living animal. It was a dead animal. So what Paul is saying is, is bringing up that imagery in, in our minds. We, we see the dead animal as a sweet aroma up to God. But Paul says to present your bodies a living sacrifice. And it's a living and holy sacrifice. Now, folks, it's not easy to sacrifice yourself in a living way. It's not easy. It means you have to give up all your worldly things. That's really hard. We've become attached to all kinds of worldly material things, and, and it's not easy to sacrifice those things in order to become holy and pure. But that's what we're to do. We are to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And that's interesting because we think worship may be going to church on Sunday or worship may be saying prayers or worship may be studying the Bible. What is true worship? True worship is to give yourself to God as pure and holy and to walk in his ways. By the way, that's the witness. You know, we can speak words, but, but the real witness is, is our walk, and, and people will see that. Now, it continues here. Do not be conformed to this world. The world, word conformed is like shaping on a potter's wheel. So you can see, you know, that wet clay and the hands around it shaping it. So don't let the world shape you in its image, which is what will happen. And in fact, it is what happened until you came to Christ. <laughs> you came to God through your faith in Christ. Okay, so you have been shaped in the ways of the world. But but don't be shaped by the ways of the world, but be transformed, and that word is, is to be changed. Be changed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I get a picture here of a glass of black, yucky, muddy water. 
And the way you renew your mind is you put a little clear water in. So you, you, you take from Scripture and from you, your, your relationship with God, and, and you change and you put a little clear water in. And that muddy, yucky water becomes just a little clearer. And then you put a little more clear water, a little more clear water, and a little more clear water. It's a process. It doesn't happen all at once. But in that process, you will be changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So what we've done is we've looked at the seven days of Passover, and we've seen that two of the three festivals apply very much to our daily walk today. One is the unleavened bread, where we are to throw out the old leaven, the sin that gets lumpy in our lives, and uh, become a new creation. And then we look at giving ourselves as first fruits. We give ourselves as holy and pure, as a kind of first fruits. And sometime in the future, we will be given to God as a first fruit, which is pure and holy. But God will have to accomplish something first. So think about the seven days of Passover and how this, the, the, all the principles of those seven days of Passover are, in fact, very relevant to our lives today. We can take out the sin, no longer lumpy, and we become a kind of first fruits, giving ourselves to God as holy and pure. With that, I say, Shalom. <laughs>